My title tonight is Discerning the Luciferian Spirit. You know, discernment is the ability to distinguish what is not clear or obvious. It's to tell the difference between two or more things. And there's two kinds of discerning. There's the discerning of spirits, which are the gifts of spirit, right? That's when the Holy Spirit reveals something to you that you had no way of knowing, and He identifies to you what spirit is in operation, whether it's God's spirit, human spirit, or evil spirit, whatever is in operation. One morning, uh, many years ago, I woke up, and have you ever had that happen when you're waking up in the morning? You, you know, your brain's not awake yet, you're just getting your eyes open. And in that place, I heard Luciferian spirit. And I knew God was speaking to me because I wasn't thinking about that. I was just waking up. But I've had on more than one occasion, several times, that as I've woken up in the morning, God spoke something to me. It was not because of study, not because of wrestling. It was I was just waking up and I heard something. And when I heard Luciferian spirit, that was a combination of word of knowledge, because God was telling me something I had no way of knowing, but it was also discerning of spirits, because it was telling me what type of spirit was in operation I needed to deal with. Well, when I heard that, I didn't know what a Luciferian spirit was. I was like, what's that? I just woke up and heard it. So he didn't tell me anything else. I had to do some study and to find out what one was. Another type of discernment is that which comes from growth and observation. It's based in love and not suspicion. Over a period of time, as you're growing older, you begin to put the pieces together and you can identify things that perhaps somebody less experienced, maybe they can't identify it. But you can because of growth, because of maturity, and because you were paying attention. Sometimes we discern because we're watching. You know, there's been times I've felt the Holy Spirit just prompt me and say, pay attention. There's something going on here. And as otherwise, I was just oblivious in my own little la-la land, right? And Holy Spirit said, pay attention. And when I paid attention, I could observe, I could discern something was in operation here. In Philippians 1, 9, 10, you don't have to turn there, but it says, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. There is love that is abounding so that we also want to grow in knowledge. He says real knowledge and in all discernment. And love is an important factor in discernment. Otherwise, it can easily become suspicion. Now, you know, so we all know suspicious people, right? They're suspicious. They're difficult to convince. But when you are operating out of love and maturity, you're not looking for suspicious causes. You're pretty much minding your own business, believing the best, and then God shows you something and you go, uh-oh, that's not what I was looking for. I'm seeing something, okay, that's not right. And it doesn't come with that pre-judging or that premature bias. It's instead, it's just that I've observed something. I wasn't looking for trouble, but I observed something from a position of love. 
Hebrews 5.14 says that solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Through practice, we can pick up some things. Practice, we learn. Now, we use this same verse when we teach spiritual gifts about how to discern if that is God or if that is you. It's through pre a period of time, through practice, we get better at discerning. But also, discerning happens through experience and maturity. I have noticed sometimes that when a person has come out of a particular type of oppression or difficulty, they are highly sensitive to that particular thing. And they can spot it before other people can spot it. I had a friend who came out of a, a lesbian lifestyle. She was delivered by the Lord. And she could spot somebody walking in the door. They didn't have the outward, forget the stereotypical stuff, just looked like ordinary person, but she could spot and discern because of where she had come from. It was because of reason of use, her experience, and just by observation, she was sensitized to it. You know, the same thing happens. How many of you know what happens the first time you got your new car? What happens when you drive your new car down the road? All of a sudden, everybody's driving the same make and model and color, right? I never knew there were so many Toyotas out there. But I noticed them once I had one because you become sensitized to it. In the same way, we become sensitized to things in the spirit and we'll pick them up sometimes before somebody else will. Why do we need to have discernment right now in the body of Christ? Because the Bible teaches us sometimes there is a wolf wearing sheep's clothing. Sometimes the Bible shows us that there are tares growing up at the same time as the wheat. They look very similar, but they're not the same. The Bible says there are also heresies that are among us. As a matter of fact, it says there need to be heresies among us so that we can distinguish who is from God and who is from not. The Bible says also there are spots, there are deceivers, and even Satan himself can masquerade as an angel of light. Now, if he's going to masquerade as an angel of light, his intent is to deceive somebody. How many know that there are some people who have bought into it? They are calling things that are evil good. They are saying, well, that's pretty good. I mean, that's harmless. And I'm going, oh, no, oh, no, the source of that is not God. That's not a good thing. But he is a deceiver. And so he goes out. And that's why we have got to have an increasing skill in discernment. So there are some times that the Holy Spirit is going to alert you. Oh, I'm telling you about what's going on. Other times is through practice, through observation, through maturity, that we begin to discern what's God, what's not God, what's human, or maybe even what kind of spirit is in operation. So if you would, open your Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 14. Now, I've been thinking about talking about this subject all week long. And what was really fun was today, when I opened my Bible, just reading through my usual read through the Bible, it opened right up to Isaiah 14. 
I love it when God does things like that. I'm like, okay, God, this is on track. I know I've got my confirmation before anything else. I wasn't looking for it. Just opened it up, and there it was, the exact same passage that I wanted to bring to you tonight. In Isaiah 14, now you can read it another time, the, the whole chapter at length, but he's talking about, we want to focus upon the character that is called there the king of Babylon. And in verse 12 of chapter 14, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, sun of the dawn. You have been cut down to earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'll make myself like the most high. That's some pretty bold talk. Some very bold talk. And it was because of this type of an attitude, this type of presumption, that he says in verse 12 that he was fallen from heaven, has been cut to the ground. That, that phrase says, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. The word is Lucifer. Lucifer is a term that means light bearer. It means shining one or morning star, star of the morning. And even by implication, Lucifer implies a person who was gifted, who was beautiful, and had the capacity to draw a crowd. Right? Does that make sense to you? Light bearer. The shining one is one who is gifted, beautiful, and able to draw a crowd. And, and so here, he's gotten himself raised up, deceived, because of his own gifts, his own beauty, his own ability, and now has begun to believe his own press releases and believe it's time for him to be ascended even above the Most High God. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It was the pride that says, I'm going to be like the Most High. I'm going to ascend to heaven. I'm going to rise above my assignment, above my position, and I'm going to ascend. He doesn't say, I'm going to be promoted. He says, I'm going up. You know, it's a difference than being promoted and then just presumptuously going up. He says, I'm going to raise my own throne up high. I want to, to raise your throne means I'm going to take more authority. I'm going to rule. I'm going to dominate. He says, I'm going to sit in the Mount of Assembly. That's the council. That's, where, that's the place of an exalted position. I'm going to sit up there. I'm getting myself up with the, with the big boys, with the big, the big council of heaven. He says, I will ascend above where everybody else goes. I will be like the Most High. That is a presumptuous, bold spirit. And this is the nature of the Luciferian spirit. The Luciferian spirit is one that is looking to self-promote. Looking to go beyond its delegated authority beyond its limits and say, I'm going to be higher. I am not satisfied with this current level of operation, this current level of authority. I am going to ascend. The Luciferian spirit is one that targets potential leaders and delegated leaders. It's not going after somebody without a position. 
The Luciferian spirit is wanting to take somebody in a position and get them dissatisfied with that so they'll want to rise up and take another position. So it's going after potential leaders. And I have seen the Luciferian spirit deceive many Christian leaders and many Christians who were in delegated authority. When I speak of delegated authority, I mean, for example, that the pastor is the set man, the vision holder of the church, and say that the pastor has assigned a ministry in the church to a leader. Maybe assigned the worship leader or the counselor or a home group leader, has assigned something in care for the flock to the leader. The Luciferian spirit is not going after the pastor, it's going after the one the pastor delegated to. Because the pastor gave an authority. You have authority over this department. The Luciferian spirit is not satisfied with that and it wants something else. So it's looking for potential leaders and also delegated leaders. The Luciferian spirit often goes after those with musical ability. I've seen it get in worship teams, get a hold of worship leaders who began to get up and, and receive all of the attention from the people and the praise from the people as they led worship and watch it go to their head. And next thing you know, we've got strife and division on the worship team. Next thing you know, we've got somebody who's quitting the church to go have recording contracts somewhere else. Seen it happen over and over. Somebody who decided, I want more than what's there. It also goes after people who have got spiritual gifts, particularly prophetic gifts, healing gifts, gifts of miracles. The Luciferian spirit is going to try to get someone outside of their authority. You see, often the Luciferian spirit understands it's close to the glory of God. It's a reflection of the glory of God. So it's going to get people who have tapped in and gotten close to the glory. Those who have been maybe working at the altar. Maybe those that God has used in signs and wonders and healings. That's who it's going after. Somebody who has seen and tasted a little bit of the power of God. I've noticed that Luciferian spirits don't mess with people who don't get too close to the glory. But they're going after the ones who are getting in their clothes and trying to get, because you know what? God says he's not going to share his glory with another, right? And so Luciferian spirit says, we're taking over the glory. I'll be like the Most High wants to ascend. So I've seen that this type of a spirit goes after worship leaders. It goes after prophetic teams. It goes after intercessors and counselors and home group leaders. It goes after people who are working in close proximity to leadership. It is also uh, working with those who are in close proximity to not only just uh, the pastor, but whatever leader of any organization. It's the ones that are close that all of a sudden are like, okay, I want to be more. I want to ascend my throne more than what it is. Now, let me back up for a second. You know, it's a good thing to desire office. I mean, the Word of God says that he who desires the office of a bishop is a good thing. I mean, it's good to want to, to lay down your life in leadership. But the Luciferian spirit is not about laying your life down. The Luciferian spirit is all about feeding the ego feeding the pride and getting the name out there and let people see you and tell you how wonderful you are. That's not the same thing. You know, I've heard, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever read Watchman Nee's book on spiritual authority. Uh, his stuff is hard. 
this, this stuff is hard. But he's got some key nuggets in there that are so good. And one thing I read many years ago, he wrote, that really impacted me. He says, those who want spiritual authority will not have it. Those who clamor after position, name, title, are not authorized to have it. You see, Jesus humbled himself and took him on the frame of a servant, right? He didn't come announcing, I'm the Son of God. I mean, he always said, I'm the Son of Man. He didn't come make he didn't come blowing the horn and all that stuff. He let other people praise him. He did not seek out his own. And I believe that that there is sometimes a deception that comes in. I think in America sometimes we feel like, well, you gotta get your name out there and you gotta promote. I do think it's fine. Put out a press release. That's fine. Let people know who you are, what you're about. But the but the bottom line of it is, is who are we promoting? What are we after? Is this because you want your face on the cover of Charisma? <laughs> or is it because, you know, God's given you something that has got to get out to more people? It's an investment in the gifts and the talents that He's given you. Do you see where it's, it's heart motivation that's a real difference here? You know, um, I... I know, I know that um, many years ago when God began to talk to me about um, first starting a church, and I thought, I don't want to start a church. My heart was, let me help them start a church. Let me help somebody else do theirs. I'll come along. I don't have to be the person in charge. I don't have to do all of that. I mean, my heart was, I, I'd love to be number two. I would be happy to be number two. Problem is, God had other ideas. And it took a while for me to agree to do what God said. <laughs> Anybody else know what I'm talking about? You ever little struggle a little bit? But you know, it wasn't my first intent because God had dealt with me strongly about some of these type of issues. And so I'm like, well, God, I want to be an obedient servant to you. But this is about your kingdom. It's not about me. Right? So what about the Luciferian spirit? How does it operate? It makes wrong seem right. It makes wrong seem right. It will tell you that when you have it coming to you, well, you're going to have to put yourself out there. You're going to have to promote and push. It also makes excuses. The Luciferian makes excuses. Um, It's amazing to me how many people just do not want to accept responsibility for their behavior. You know, I... um, I recently had to um, accept responsibility and to apologize for something I had uh, communicated. And, you know, when it was pointed out to me how that my words were misconstrued, how, you know, I didn't choose the best words, and, and I didn't make excuses. I said, okay, you're right. You're right. Here's my apology. And I really believe this is something, it's a good habit to get into. It's just to agree with your adversary quickly. Well, you see they're right. Okay, you're right. And let's just go on. And I was had a, a recent um, interaction with another person. And as I was trying to bring confrontation, and I was trying to bring the issue to bear, all of a sudden, I was the victim of a personal attack. And I thought... Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a particular incident. But you know what? People, lots of times, they don't like that. 
when you put the finger on you have an issue, instead of taking responsibility for the issue, they want to make an excuse, well, I'm not as bad as you. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a kid? Isn't that how we deal with kids? You know, well, you know, you need to clean your room. Well, yours is messier. <laughs> it's like, just take responsibility. Let's just not make excuses. It is what it is. The loose fearing spirit feeds personal pride. You don't hear much about sacrifice and duty and laying your life down. You don't hear much about that. Uh, you hear about how wonderful you are. And you're the best. And God's never seen anybody as cool as you. <laughs> the loose fearing spirit will separate a person from God-ordained relationships. You think about it. Lucifer had an assignment from God to worship and to give honor and to glory to God. But he was perverted. He was twisted and began to take that to himself. The loose-fearing spirit is after to separate from God-ordained relationships. When the loose-fearing spirit's operating and seducing the person, it causes them to feel that they don't need any input. They don't need any teaching. They don't need any counsel. Nobody needs to tell them anything because they have it. His own opinions are held without question. And he judges everything through the filter of his own preferences. It's his own opinion is what becomes paramount. You know, I have found also people don't like it when you tell them something's not God. They get that mad at you. They get mad at you when you tell them something's not God if there's an issue of pride. Folks, we've all missed it. We've all made mistakes. If it's not God, it's not God. Okay, let's get on and get past it. Right. The loose-fearing spirit will twist teaching and twist prophecy so that it pleases the ear of the deceived. You know, years ago I was, uh, I was talking to a man and he had been having a lot of trouble in his marriage. And he had been having dreams of his wife being killed like in an auto accident or things like that. And he came to me convinced that his wife was going to die and that it was God's will. And he wasn't real happy when I told him <laughs> that, number one, if these dreams were from God, then are you interceding and praying for your wife's protection? No. He was hoping she was going to die so he wouldn't have to deal with her anymore. You know, see that way, if he killed her, he'd go to jail. But if, you know, it happened to accident, he was off scot-free or so he thought. Sometimes people get things in their head because it suits them. They don't have to grow. They don't have to mature. They don't have to repent. And, and I had to wrestle with this guy and tell him, this is not God. God is not trying to kill your wife. What, needs, what your dream is showing you is you wish your wife was dead. Which was the truth. He wished his wife were dead. He didn't like it when I told him that. But, you know, the truth will set you free after it makes you miserable. Um, that's true. <laughs> Let it make you miserable first. Repent. Get over it. Okay. 
The Luciferian spirit seeks self-promotion, separation, and it, it causes a person to have an overinflated view of their abilities, of their gifts. It causes this deception to come in. Sometimes this spirit comes in and tells a person, you are so ready for leadership. You are so ready for promotion in the body of Christ. You are so ready for all that. It's too bad your pastors can't see it. It's too bad your leaders are holding you back. See, that's a loose fearing spirit trying to get a person out of the place where they were supposed to be into a place of presumption. And also this spirit, as it says, I will be like the most high. This spirit considers itself to be on peer status with the level. Next thing you know, the pastor has raised up a person, trained them up, equipped them, given them a delegated authority, and next thing you know, the person has decided that I am, a, I am on a peer level with my pastor. Maybe the pastor's got 30 more years experience, you know, been saved longer than you've been alive. But how have y'all ever seen anything like that happen before? I have. I've seen it a lot. You know, we want to let another man praise us and not our own lips, the Bible says. To let someone else who does not have an agenda begin to give us some input about our, the state of our gifts, about our readiness for what next thing that God has for us. Just because a person has powerful gifts does not mean they are mature. A person can have tremendous, powerful gifts, signs and wonders, amazing prophetic words, and not be mature, not be holy, not be anything. I've known some powerful prophets who could not write a check that didn't bounce. I've known powerful prophets who went home and beat their wives. I'm telling you that that's why, you know, character and maturity are not the same thing as spiritual gifts. And unfortunately in the body of Christ, too often we're all enamored by the gifts and not the character and not the way the person actually lives. You know, I'd rather have the person who pays their bills and is kind to their family speaks, you know, kindly to their children, is responsible at work, that's somebody who's going to go far. That's someone whose character is going to take them far. What is the goal? What is the goal of the Luciferian spirit? It is destruction. When that spirit gets on a person, it wants to, number one, destroy that person's credibility and ministry. But it also wants to destroy the people that are working with that person. It may be destruction for a church. There have been many church splits that happened because a Luciferian spirit got in with the number two guy and convinced them that they needed something else and something more. And so there was damage that was done. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 13. I want to show you that Jesus had to deal with this type of spirit as well. In Matthew 13, if we look at verse 54... You know, Jesus is such an amazing leader. There are so many insights from the Gospels. Matthew 13, 54. 
It says he came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. Jesus is teaching things that people are shocked. They've never heard anybody talk like this before. It's amazing the stuff that he is saying, right? And they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? I've never heard anything like this before. We've never seen anything. Where did this guy get this from? Verse 55. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. The people are astonished, but they're unwilling to see him as being sent by God. You know, this is, this is a real truth. People who knew you when, your family, your friends, sometimes they have a hard time adjusting that God would do something with you. Because they remember. They've got pictures. <laughs> they were there. And it's hard sometimes. And I really think it can take a special grace of God upon your family and friends to be able to recognize when you are not just wearing, you know, the son hat or the dad hat or the brother hat or the buddy hat, but that you are wearing the sent one of God hat. When you are operating in your anointing, when there is something that you are doing in the kingdom. And you see, these guys could not understand Jesus. They said, we know your daddy. We know your mama. We watched your whole family in this hometown. We know all about you. We saw you every week. I bought a table from you at the carpenter shop. I mean, we know who you are. I don't think you're too special. Isn't that what they start doing? You're not too special. Who are you after all? Where'd you get this stuff from? You must have been robbing somebody else's. Whose books are you reading? You know, I've had people say that to me. Donna, whose books are you reading? Where'd you, where'd you get that thing you taught? I'm like, Revelation? I can't tell you how many times people did that. Why would they do that? Because surely you couldn't get something from God. You had to get that from Kenneth Hagin. You had to get that from somewhere. You couldn't just get it yourself. And that's what they're saying to Jesus. You, we know who you are. You're just a carpenter. You couldn't have got anything. They took offense at him. What's the offense? Who's this guy think he is? Who does he think he is? He didn't say. He's just preaching the word of God. He's just revealing what God's given to him. And they get attitude. He must think he is all that. He must think he is something special. Jesus doesn't say that, but they assume it. Because he's, he's preaching like the scholars, like the Pharisees do not. He is preaching, as the Bible says, as one with authority. And they ain't used to that. They're not used to that at all. So... They're taking offense. Who does he think he is? When this type of a spirit comes in, it wants to discredit the prophet, discredit the ministry leader. Oh, I know who you are. 
didn't you grow up in that little across the street from me? Didn't you go to that high school? Oh, yeah, yeah, we remember you. Didn't you used to be the bouncer at the bar? <laughs> I mean, they're going to come up with whatever to try to discredit what God has said and what God has done. So the Luciferian spirit always comes with a criticism of the leader's ministry style and or personal life. It's not just about the ministry. This past week, I think I shared with some of y'all, last week I've been getting some hate mail. I've been getting some of that stuff. And it amazes me how a total stranger decides to criticize my personal life. You've never been in my house. You don't know my husband. But you decide to criticize my personal life. What's that about? It's the Luciferian spirit looking for some way to discredit another person. You know, there's always going to be critics out there. Let's just make sure that we aren't critics, that we're not the ones doing that. And this past week, I received um, hate mail, criticisms, I mean, but, you know, strangers. It was just like, God, what's loose in the atmosphere? <laughs> uh, and then I had this one, I had this one um, thing that came, and and I I had tried to explain, you know, they took issue with a policy we had. I tried to explain there was a reason for it. I tried to explain why, and so then I just left it alone. Well, a week later, they picked it up again. They still want to fight with me. I'm like, what? We don't even live in the same state. But somebody decided that it was time to, you know, straighten me out, I guess. And I'm thinking, and who are you? I, I, that's my question. Who are you? But sometimes people, they get this Luciferian spirit wants them to get outside their realm of authority, outside their jurisdiction, and begin to take on somebody else. You know, one thing Bill Hammond said years ago that I always remembered. He said, we don't need any sheriffs in the body of Christ. We don't need any charismatic popes telling everybody else what they're doing wrong. We don't need that. <laughs> Isn't that a great thing? We don't need sheriffs in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Another example of how this thing gets in. You look at the story of Miriam and Aaron. Miriam is Moses' big sister. And she and Aaron take issue with his personal life. They don't like who he married. And so they decide to go mouth off and criticize Moses for it. And she says, Miriam and Aaron say to Moses, You know, we hear from God too. Parentheses, baby brother. I hear from God too, baby brother. Remember, I saw you in that basket in the in the river. Remember me? Yeah, I remember. I used to change your diapers. I remember you. You know, Miriam got in big trouble with God. You remember, she got attacked with leprosy from God because she had allowed this Luciferian type spirit to come in and to get that self promotion and to try to come in to attack Moses. Another example in the Old Testament is Gehazi. Do you remember when Naaman came to be cleansed of his leprosy? 
and he went to go see Elijah the prophet. And uh, and after you know Elijah sent word, go out and dip in the in the water, and and Naaman was so grateful he tried to leave a reward with the prophet, and Elijah's like, no, I don't want your stuff. Just you know, go home, be blessed. Well, Gehazi is Elijah's servant. And he watches the guy walk off with all that loot. And he's like, what gifts? I have been working hard in the ministry. I've been serving the man of God. And he doesn't even take a tip from the guy? How are we going to eat this week? I mean, there's nothing going on. And so what does he do? Gehazi runs off. Y'all realize that's the paraphrased version that I'm giving you. The, the dramatized version. So I believe Gehazi decided, I got something coming to me. I don't get paid worth beans. And this guy's going to offer some nice stuff as a gift. If you don't want it, I'll take it. And what does he do? He runs off after Naaman and says, Oh, well, we've changed our mind. We will take some of that stuff after all. Of course, when you work for the prophet, the most premier prophet in the land of Israel, you're bound to get found out. <laughs> so he goes back home and Elijah says, Uh-huh. I know what you did. I know what you did. And the leprosy that was on Naaman will cling to you from this moment on. But Gehazi wanted to get past his level of authority, his level of delegation. He says, I want more than what is, is his place. And it wasn't Gehazi's place to take the reward. It wasn't his position. You know, this happens in the church. You've got people who skim the offerings. You've got people who steal from the church. It's a, it is a Luciferian spirit that tries to get us to exalt ourselves. How are we going to stay free, folks? This thing has been deceiving a lot of people. So I've got some things here that we can do to stay free of a Luciferian spirit so that we are not destroyed and the ministries that we love are not destroyed as well. In Proverbs 12:15, it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. I believe that we need to be teachable. We need to be open. We need to be humble. Can anybody tell you something? You know, how do you take correction? Do you take it very well? You know, can, can someone offer to tweak you a little bit? Or do you not take that very well? If you only think your own way is right, the Bible says you're a fool. Do you know what, folks? I've been wrong before. Have you? I've been mistaken before. I mean, well, I, think, I think my ways are right, but I've known enough to know that sometimes I am mistaken. Sometimes I need to have somebody else show me another way, come in. So I'm going to be smart enough to listen to people who love me and who maybe have a different perspective. Okay? Another thing we can do to stay free is to esteem those who labor among us. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13, to appreciate those who labor among us, those who have charge over us, those who give instruction, and to esteem them highly in love for their work. To esteem them in love for their work's sake. Make sure there is someone that you look up to. There is somebody you look up to, you esteem. If you don't look up to anybody, then you're your own teacher. 
right? We all need to sit at the feet of somebody. So let's make sure there's somebody that we esteem. You know, it amazes me. I see, you know, from time to time you'll be out and about and going to the store and hear children uh, talk to their parents in a rude manner, in, in a disrespectful manner. And I've heard the same thing happen in adults in churches situation, talking disrespectfully to those who labor in the Word of God. Now, I think that some people go overboard on the way of almost idolatry. I don't believe we need to enter into idolatry, but we can respect and appreciate someone that God is using to instruct us or to have charge over us, right? So it's to esteem them because of their works, works sake. And make sure there's somebody you can, look, you can look up to. If you don't have somebody in your life, find you somebody that you can look up to. Amen. We all need that. Hallelujah. Another thing we can do to stay free. Romans thirteen seventeen says to render to all what is due them. Honor to whom honor is due. Give honor to whom honor is due. It is maintaining respect and courtesy for the role and for the position. You know, I was ministering a few weeks ago um, in a woman's home. And the granddaughter had asked me to come minister. And so I had gone in and, and uh, was there with this elderly lady. And this elderly lady was, she was at least, at least 30 years older than I am. At least. And I was in her house. And I just treated her with utmost respect. I called her, you know... Miss, when I'm talking to someone who's that much older than I am, I don't necessarily call them by first name. It's it's Miss Linda, you know. It's it's Miss Patty. It's Mr. Bill, for someone who's that many years older. And partly that's just my upbringing, and I'm Southern. That's what we did. But there's still the attitude of respect, and yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, for someone for their age, for their position. And I'll do the same thing for you know someone who has provided service for me, you know to show honor and respect to the guy who worked on my car, the guy who brought me my steak dinner, or to show some courtesy and respect because you know what they're do it, they're do it. We we live in a society when people are dying for respect. That's one reason why so many people are joining gangs because they're looking for validation. They're looking for respect. Folks, we need to be able to provide that in the body of Christ and as people, just as citizens, to begin to show respect for one another and courtesy for the role. You know, it's the same thing as like when the police officer, you know, when he pulls you over, you can mouth off to the cop and be disrespectful and probably get a really nasty ticket and court date. Or you can be respectful and kind. And even if you do get a ticket, at least you've conducted yourself with respect. Amen. Another way that we can avoid getting in trouble with loose fear and spirit. Watch out who you hang with. Who you listen to. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 13, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. People who are bitter, people who are rebellious, people who are critical, if you hang around them, you will become bitter, rebellious, and critical. 
As the old saying goes, you cannot lay down with the dogs and not wake up with fleas. It's going to get on you if you hang around those people. You know, there may be some people that you work with every day or some people in your family who are like that, that you really, I mean, you can't help it. You've got to be with them. But you know what? You can guard your heart and not allow yourself to participate in that same thing. Have you ever been, like, in a situation with some people and somebody started the complaining, they started the criticism, and then the next person had to add their complaint and their criticism. The third person had, and before we got through, it was bash party. It was just, just tear down whoever and just gripe and complain, and nobody is edified in the middle of it. You know what? When those things start to happen, if you cannot change what's going on, that's a good time to go to the bathroom. That's a good time to go find something else to do, something else to do. So that type of a spirit does not get on you because there's a discontent that comes. And when people start to complain, you have to be careful because it can cause that opening of pride to come in and say, let's just don't take this anymore. Let's just go and exalt ourselves. Another thing that we can do to watch out for the loose fearing spirit is to guard your heart from bitterness. The Bible says in Hebrews 12:15 that the root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. We all get hurt and we all get offended. It all happens. The challenge for you and for me is to not let that stuff turn into a root of bitterness. Sometimes it's not easy to forgive and it's not easy to let go. But bitterness will kill you. And bitterness will open the door for seducing spirits to come in and cause problems. So as much as possible, draw upon the grace of God and not allow your heart to be filled with bitterness. And the last point I have for staying free of this spirit is to be thankful. Let peace rule in your heart and to be thankful. Be thankful for what you do have. Be thankful is not worse. Be thankful that God has put you in a safe place. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. You know, we live in a time when a lot of people are not thankful. There's a lot of criticism. There's a lot of discontent. You know, it seems that a person, they're crying out to God, I need a new job, I need a new job. They finally get a job. They get hired. They're so excited. I'll come in whenever. I'll work whenever. I don't mind the 45-minute commute, really. I don't care. It's going to be fine until about a month passes. Next thing you know, they're not quite so thankful, not quite so appreciative, and before too much longer, the dream job is now something they gripe about on a regular basis. Have you all seen that happen before? Sure we have. Sure we have. What happened? We quit being thankful. We quit being thankful. You know, I was telling someone recently who was a little bit unhappy with their work schedule. I says, but thank God you have a job. Because there's people that don't have jobs. Thank God you have a good Thank God you have a job. Yes. And they backed up and said, yes, I thank God I have a job. So let's, let's find something to be thankful for. You know, we've got so much in this country to be thankful for. And even though you may be going through difficult, challenging times, it could be so much worse had it not been for the mercy of God in your life. Amen.
Amen. So let's be thankful. Let's also understand that God knows where you are right now, and He knows what He's doing in your life. And when God says it's time for change, it's time for promotion, it's time for something else, you will know it's God. It'll have the right fruit attached to it. It'll have the right spirit attached to it. And it won't be the self-promotion that comes along. I want us to pray now for a moment. And It may be that as I've been talking about this, that you may have recognized a tendency in your own heart to listen to a Luciferian spirit. And so I want us to just pray a prayer of repentance. If you see any place where there's, a, there's been a tendency, a desire to self-promote, there's been a tendency or a desire to get outside of the authority that God has for you, outside of the will of God, just a little impatience perhaps, or you begin to compare yourself to other people and feel that maybe you are a little bit better, a little bit more gifted, a little bit smarter, a little bit whatever. If there's been any, any place like that in you, I want us to just pray. So, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that you love us enough, Lord, to train us in discernment. But, Lord, that we can begin to recognize the strategies of the enemy. That, Lord God, that we are not ignorant of his devices. But, Lord, we begin to recognize this common tactic which has been used to take out so many people. And, Lord God, I'm asking that as Holy Spirit, that as you move and you begin to show us places where maybe we've had a tendency, that, Lord God, you create within us a holy hatred for that thing. That, Lord God, there will be nothing inside of us that is in harmony or that is in agreement with the Luciferian spirit. Lord God, give us the ability to discern between good and evil, to discern what is your voice and what is not your voice in the name of Jesus. So, Father, right now, we just repent from every place, Lord God, we try to ascend ourselves, put ourselves up there, self-promote. Every place, Lord God, where we didn't want to listen, we didn't want to receive counsel, I ask you, Lord God, to do a work within us and root that out of us, that it has no place. Let there be no place inside of us to where we are are vulnerable to that type of operation. So right now in the name of Jesus, we ask for forgiveness, Lord God. I ask you to cleanse our hearts from all unrighteousness in the name of Jesus Christ. And right now, Lord God, we just we just renounce the Luciferian spirit. Church, would you just say this with me? I renounce the Luciferian spirit. It has no place in me. I break agreement with it. And I command it to go for me now. In the name of Jesus. Go from me. I'll not partner with you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Now, Lord God, I ask Lord, that you just cause us, Lord, to have that, that love 
and appreciation, Lord God, for the ones you have given into our lives. Lord, the ones we can look up to. Lord, we had that love and appreciation for the position that you have given to us and the trust. To any place where we have been given delegated authority, Lord, we just praise you for that trust that we have been given. And I ask you, Father God, that you would do a work of wholeness within the inside of us. Lord God, fill us, Lord, with a heart of gratitude. Fill us with a heart of appreciation and a heart to do things your way. And I thank you, Lord God, for sharpening our discernment. In Jesus' name, amen.